0: Well, the two men in hats, LA, Austin, Raba Rahil, and Chase we were back for episode three of the Growth Vault, and we're going to talk about magic moments today, both in brand and in product. Raba, how you doing, brother?
1: Oh, I'm doing fantastic. I am. I'm feeling like magic in all my uh, drip here. Yeah, you man. can see I got this uh, wonderful birthday gift, this gorgeous, talentless shirt. I got uh, a Panzerism on the top of my dome. Yes, do. Powerful Jason Panzer in the in the hex clad. I guess. Do we have any housekeeping? Because I actually have a Hexclad divergence. No, no, we
0: like, uh, don't have any housekeeping. We're just gonna, like you said, magic moments coming up. But yeah, hit it.
1: Okay, so Jason sent me. Uh, for people that don't know, Jason Pans are president over at Hexclad. They make the probably arguably the best cookware in the world, like yeah. Rock set kind of level quality. Yeah. Not overpriced, but expensive. Um, yeah. These are definitely but what I loved about what they're doing in their business, and this is something that maybe we toss into the idea bank is they have all these really cool kind of spokes on the hub product where the cookware is still the main buy, but he sent me some of this uh, kitchen fragrance, like essentially like, just like to make your kitchen smell better. Yeah. it's so, it's like cologne grade. And so it just made me realize the importance. And I think, uh, Sean over at Ridge talked about this too, Uh, not necessarily to this level of detail. He just talks about launching new products. But I think there's so much there in terms of being able to build different revenue streams that can really start to boost up your LTV because that's one of the best ways, in my opinion, to move LTV because I think it's really hard. But new product and SKU expansion is incredible. And so I think what it's really interesting is have some cookware company have, uh, fragrances. So I think that's something that a lot of people I'm actually doing an article on correlating, um, two things that have been really interesting to me. So triple sits across a pretty large data set. We're about yep. five, 6,000 stores, something like that, 50 plus countries. And so the dad team right now is pulling for me the number of products. So I'm going to correlate that with revenue. And then, so the number of active SKUs on a store versus the actual store's revenue. And then the other correlation that I'm really interested in, and I'm also writing an essay on this, shameless plug, is uh, the convenience, we were actually just talking about that, the, conven- what, the convenience confusion continuum. Oh, I was I was yes. so hot, and then I, I just tripped up. Uh, but anyways, the too-long-didn't-read is how many payment gateways a store has connected and what their conversion rate is, because I yep. think there's a linkage there as well. But anyways, that was kind of my too-long-didn't-read Uh one, thank you, uh, Jason, for sending me that. And two, I think it's really cool that you guys are going into these seemingly unrelated areas of product and not only crushing it, but also it makes this really cool user experience where the brand starts to pervade other parts of their life. It's almost like that. It's because this is primarily a SaaS podcast. It's like the D2C version of Land yeah. and expand. Boom, yeah, you man. see how I brought it back? Oh,
0: you, I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. I think... It's a perfect dovetail into magic moments because I think Mm -hmm. we'll get into kind of the tactical portions of this, but on a macro level, there is a kind of core pipeline that everyone talks about when they come to magic moments and where they're supposed to hit, how they're supposed to hit. I think there are adjacent ones as well that people don't understand. So, for instance, this kitchen spray, it's not something you would expect, but when you have it, you're like, oh my God, this is a, a magic moment. And frankly, It's something that expands because maybe you're not using a Hexclad thing. Maybe you just made, I don't know, you put a grill, you did a grilled cheese in the microwave, but you spray it, right? So Hexclad becomes part of that experience. You don't have a Hexclad microwave, right? So I think in terms of like magic moments, both on B2B brand, but B2B product, how do you define them, Rob? I think it's a really important one for us to level set there and then we can go into kind of the vibe.
1: Man, you're so good for me. That was going to be my first request is that we align on the first principles of magical moment. I think a magic moment is an interaction that goes down two pathways. The first pathway is surprise and delight where I can't believe they did this. They didn't tell me about it, but wow they really thought through every part of this product, every part of this thing that I bought, whatever service, because this is a really convenient, awesome, like super, what you talked about usefulness, like cool is a function of usefulness, right? And so like that. And so I think that's that one pathway. And then I think the other pathway of a magic moment is doing something that generates value for the user or client or customer without any expectation of reciprocity. And so that's just a fancy way of saying, just doing nice things for people that support you. I think those are the two pathways to magic moments. And I think those are, the they can't be done in a transactional manner. And then the weird part about the former magic moment is if you tell them, you'll undermine the delight. So I think there's something that we could probably dig in there because there's a certain aspect of like, if Jason would have told me he was sending me this totally like product I didn't even know they had and like, tell me what you think about it, blah, 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 blah. it would have taken away from some of the impact because I would have had an expectation. When you have an yeah. expectation, you can't surprise somebody because there is the expectation that is either fulfilled or not fulfilled. But when you yeah. don't have an expectation, there can be surprise. And with that surprise, you can ride with delight, but... I've rambled a ton. What, where do you land on these magic moments? How do you define them over at Pencil and just yeah. throughout your career? So like,
0: there's a technical one, right? Like when does someone have an aha? You know, we've all read the reform right. article and say that like, oh my God, this thing actually does the thing that it said it was going right. to do. I think there's like value delivery and value extraction. And I almost think like value delivery is kind of the first gateway, but the, when you extract the value, and so I'll just use Pencil as an example. So like, Wow, I can make ads and it's really fast. Okay. But when you actually get them out the door is when you're like, well, that was easy. Right? And you're like, oh my God, I can do this on a bi-weekly or weekly basis and test more ads than I ever had in my life. And they're based on data. Like, And your mind starts spinning. And so a magic moment right. is like, oh, I've extracted this value and it was easier than I thought it was going to be. And then your mind starts saying, oh my God, I can repeat this process And how much time, so like it almost starts building bridges by itself, like on the Mm -hmm. psychological path. And so for instance, so I I look at that. So Pencil, okay, you got to put in all these inputs, like all AI you input it, but a visual one, you have to put in your brand colors, assets, et cetera. But the most loved feature in the entire product is direct API integration into Facebook. Ship your ads out the door. You don't have to download, re-upload. It takes three minutes to cross the API and you're done. Everyone goes, this is the easiest, best thing in my life. Like, I don't have right. to download them, re-upload them, rename them, etc. So you say, okay, if that's the magic moment, that means we just got to get them there as fast as possible. How can we remove every single piece of friction while delivering the same amount of value? And so they didn't ask for that. That's the thing, right? The thing they asked for is ads. It's exactly what you came to, right? Mm-hmm. If they ask for it and you promise it, there's always going to be a delta between what their expectation was and the reality of it. But if there's yes. this next portion, which essentially builds the the psych smile curve, right? Of, oh my God, this is the step that I really wanted. So what did I need? I got what I needed, but I wanted an easy way to get them out the door. And if you give them the want, because the need, people's needs aren't sexy. Wants are sexy, right? So you get them there. So like, again, to TLDR it, can you get them to value extraction as quickly as possible? Because value delivery is, inside a platform value extraction is what they're going to do when they're outside of your platform and they keep thinking about yeah. you and wanting to come back. And so there's obviously like the, you activate them and then you just have to continuously activate them until you get their engagement in a good in a good place. And so them having that easy experience getting ads out the door is really where I see it. What I think is important about what you said though is expectation reality. I had a psychologist one time talk to me about, and I say this all the time. So this is not like a new Thing, if anyone's ever heard me say this, but the anxiety builds or frustration builds when your expectation and reality starts splitting apart, and then there's just this big yeah. valley of yes. anxiety, fear, anger, what whatever whatever emotion is kind of this situation you're brought with exactly disappointment, whatever it is. And so, the closer you can keep those two sides of things, and the faster you can get there, the easier it's going to be for you to make a customer fall in love with you. And so, that's brand side, yep. for instance. You have that hat on, right? You didn't expect it; it just came. went over oh, the top. My God, what an incredible, what an incredible experience I'm having! But if you had ordered it for three weeks, you're waiting for it, you're waiting for it, you're waiting for it. Then you'll still be happy, but you ordered it, so there's this expectation of when it's going to get here, and not every product delivers when you do that. But a surprise, someone sends you a gift, something like that. There is this newfound love of that thing, and so I guess, like non-technical, how do you actually define this? And I think we want to talk about like in detail what a brand moment and a product moment is. It's almost like how do you give them a gift inside of the experience? Like take it back.
1: Not only giving them a gift, but without telling them. Like they just show up at their door with the gift. That's a really good mental model. I really like that because again, the gift is also part of that axiom that I mentioned where a gift, when given properly, there's no expectation of reciprocity. This is Chase, I got you this for being awesome. Yeah. Just wanted to say thanks. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, hit me. Are aha moments and magic moments the same thing to you?
0: I think an aha moment lives inside a magic moment, but a, no, excuse me, a magic moment can live inside an aha moment, but the inverse is not true. So like, how do I make that sound simple? Because I just sounded really, like there's a highfalutin thing to say. You can have an aha moment and a magic moment together, but I don't think you can have a magic moment and an aha moment together. Does that even make sense?
1: You see what I'm saying? Like, I okay. have this bifurcation that I can't, yeah. I'm trying to articulate it, but I can't yeah. get it because there is something like if you're driving a car, you make the brakes better, right? Like, that's mm. not going to be an aha moment or a magic moment. But, like, if the brakes stop you from getting there, there's again an expectation that you get your car, that your car stops. So, yeah. like, I don't think you can create a magic moment with brakes or anything like that. But, there could be a moment where you buy this car and then there's custom, like, say you yeah. buy like a Ferrari and the Ferrari caps are all custom Ferrari caps yeah. instead of just regular tire caps or something yeah. of that nature where there's yeah. just this attention to detail where everything was thought through yeah. all the way down to the tire caps. That's a magic moment to me. Yeah. Whereas like you get a Range Rover or something and you realize it's on air suspension and then... When you sit, it sits down, you get yeah. out like a car because it's actually low and you can, yeah. you have that kind of aha moment of like, oh, yeah. wow, I actually like it, SUV height to drive at. But being able okay. to get out at car level because my grandma gets in is yeah. more of a kind of aha moment to me of like, oh, yeah. wow, this solution solves this job yeah. to be done so well. But that aha moment isn't necessarily rooted in that surprise and delight slash okay. emotion, and I think that's where I'm struggling to connect them to because they're two yeah. incredibly important things. I just yeah. don't think they're the same thing, but I do think I agree with your definition that a magic moment can live inside an aha moment, but a, a magic or an aha moment cannot necessarily live inside a magic moment.
0: I think I defined it while I was listening to you. Ahas are utility-based. Magic moments are emotion-based.
1: Done. Sold. Right? I'll take two. So you can almost like,
0: the bridge post post utility is emotion. And so it's like, how do you make that little thing that makes them go like, fuck, this is incredible?
1: Kind of. I 100% agree with that definition. It's way more eloquent than, it's exactly what I was trying to come up with, but even better. Where I would, or not push back, but what I would say is you can create magic moments as a brand pre-purchase. Like you oh, don't necessarily 100%. have to consume my product. 100, so I don't think it necessarily always needs to be a function of the product. You can, so I think, uh, and again, you can also, I think, create utility outside the product. So I think that's a really good way to define both of those Is one's a function of utility, one's yeah. a function of emotion. It's really, really good, good. Let's, let's talk about this because right like putting magic
0: mo- putting magic moments before the aha moment actually is kind of a, a real cheat code and one of the reasons why these we we kind of talk about brands so much and how it is a, like one of your biggest growth levers if you really invested in it and kind of yep. build it into your mo- yep. like your growth motion so let's just use kind of some of the b2b brands we like or I don't know brands we like in general so like let's talk about podcasts let's talk about newsletters let's talk about events etc. These are all things that are not core to products, but they are part of like a, a funnel to get people to products and or deliver warm, hot leads into your either your PLG motion or your sales led motion, whatever it is. Sure. How do you think about that? Because these magic moments, like, for instance, you got you talked about last time, like owning every day of the week, right? Yeah. Like how do you own it every day of the week, but it be value based so that people are getting stuff yeah that they wouldn't get anywhere else or that they feel is valuable and they want to spend time with you. Same thing, newsletters, Triple Whale, um, podcast network. So how do you create a magic moment or how do you think about creating a magic moment that is pre-purchase of your software that allows the velocity at which you're able to close that lead? And the, I don't know, the what are, are the objections that a customer might have kind of go away because they are so inclined to your brand already?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. I think what we really focused on a lot was a bit of kind of like that Zen koan of the teacher will appear when the student's ready. So trying to meet a lot of people where they are and then again, generating some sort of value for them because we had marketers that had run millions of dollars a day in budget to marketers that are running a $1,000 a month type of thing. And so being able to meet everybody where they are, and you know it sounds cheesy, but a bit of customization. And then honestly, too, the other thing is, I don't want this to come across predatory, but really finding people in the space that were a low lift for you to help out, but a high value for them. So you could almost think of it in margin, right? Like you have this really high margin product that you can price, and this person has no problem paying for that price. And so I think that's why, because the challenge you can get into is like, it doesn't scale. Mm-hmm. Um, and so making sure that you can have these connections, because then you can go back to, if you go back to our other podcasts, uh, Chase has his fancy coefficients of marketing, et cetera, or, uh, word of mouth, et cetera, et cetera. It's a really good question though. But I, I think going back to meeting people where they are and then Especially when they're first starting out because, again, when you help somebody or illuminate a new framework or give them something that they can now go tell their spouse, their boss, their significant other that they're so much smarter for learning that. It was a pretty good tact for us, but it's uh, a really good question. What would you do? How do you think of creating magic moments? I also think a cheat code is in real life. So if you use yes. the digital realm to cultivate a sincere relationship with all these people and then you get to meet yeah. them in real life i think can can create a really magic moment and a bond that can pervade and help overcome some product objections
0: i mean just like taking step stepping back we met one time in person we spent two hours breaking bread together now we are doing yeah. this right that's a magic moment. Fair play. wow fair play this is a great relationship. We should just share more and ask questions and try to figure things out and help people as much as we possibly can. Yeah, because It's fun and we have a good time doing it. I think everything you said is dead on. What I think we don't talk about is essentially like once you build that kind of framework and essentially lay the concrete with that, there's so many different permutations of how that grows. Yes, yes. You say like, okay, we're going to build a podcast. You have a bunch of people on. So first it's content for you that then you can repurpose and use in multiple places. But then that's an evangelist that goes out and says, man, Raba is the fucking shit. I love that guy. Yeah. What he's building a triples, incredible. And what is that? Like, again, I, I keep coming back to word of mouth coefficient, but like, what does the math look like on that? Oh, we have yeah. this newsletter and this content now we can go run very like very cheap cpl campaigns on tiktok and facebook to pull in more leads because we know kind of downstream what those numbers look like in terms of conversions and or them telling more people about it and so it's like you can build your model on this but you really have to obviously center everything in no matter how many leads we're pulling in we want to provide value and It sounds, it's like so cheesy. I was listening to this podcast with um, The Rock the other day and he kept talking about his like the seven bucks that he had in his pocket. And I counted, he repeated it over the course of an hour, 44 times, but it's because he had to repeat Um, it over and over and over again because it's core, his ethos of what he does. It's about him, but it's also about the brand that he's trying to portray. And so if you come say like, we need to provide value, it might sound cheesy, but that is absolutely at the center and it's like probably one of the bigger things that we talk about. So you you asked me how I define it. Being able to build a magic moment through brand is essentially everything, like you said, I'm going to just say it in a different way. Everything upstream from a purchase or like adjacent to a purchase like uh, that you can do to help a customer out. And so whether that's, by the way, hopping on a call and helping them work through something that they couldn't yeah. figure out themselves because it, you don't have a big company, you don't have a big team to do it, or they only trust you, that's brand two. And so I've said this yeah. to multiple people when they're building SaaS companies. They're like, you know, your customer success team is an extension of your marketing team. You don't think it is because you're... And it's an extension of your growth team. You don't think it is but essentially they're controlling all of the revenue that you created and also controlling how people become evangelists of your brand and go talk to people about them because they leave yes. you eventually. You get a couple of marketing like opportunities to chat with them on a weekly basis, but it could go to spam. They might not see it because they their inbox is full. Yes. You're gonna talk to that person. They have a weekly, like, you know, a monthly QBR, or whatever, kind of whatever the cadence is for, for your for the way your business operates. That person becomes your kind of little like agent as well. So don't forget that there are multiple touch points that a customer is grading you on. And this is what ABM is and all of this other stuff. And ABM is account-based marketing. All of the little things that you can do, don't forget that your customer is grading you every minute of every day. And they're kind of always looking for a way out because no one wants SaaS. No one wants it. Yeah. So you have to yeah. earn business. And the minute doubt creeps in, you can obviously measure these things in your charts and everything that you're that you're pulling. But the minute doubt creeps in, I don't want to say you're fucked, but there is a large probability that you are on notice. And the problem with measuring only in charts and only having kind of a a database growth model is you're not answering for anything that they couldn't do themselves or that they didn't expect from you already. And so that's kind of what magic moments do is like personal touch, whatever the personal touch you can give them that feels unique to them. Say for instance, you and I send out newsletters. Maybe they get 10 over the course of, uh, you know, four to six weeks from us each, if one of them moves the needle for them, it, it makes up for all the other ones, either they didn't read or didn't move the needle. And that's a moment for them. Right. 100%. And so I think that's kind of the, the big one is like, again, we sit here and make everything into science. A lot of this stuff is art that layers on top of science and vice versa. So that's kind of how I define it in a very long winded way.
1: No, it's beautifully put. I think that's exactly what it is. Though it's art with some semblance of measurement behind it. But honestly, like my magic moment heuristic is random DMs, random emails, mm-hmm. random conversations of like, "Oh my gosh, this yeah. that happened. Thank you so much." Saying like, "Dude, I don't even know you, but appreciate yeah. you, brother." Yeah. And I think yeah. that's why I'm so bullish on content to commerce because what we're doing here can scale to multiple people. And so there's so many pot like dude, I bought a a, a fancy car because I had a really good year with my agency and I was looking at for uh, tax liability reductions. And I was on TikTok and I found the Section 179 deduction. Yeah, It's like, that's incredible. I have such a positive view of TikTok because it saved me so much money. And that had nothing to do with essentially, like TikTok just facilitated that and showed me the content. I don't even remember the person. I remembered uh, TikTok, so... I think there's, there's just so much to be said around that. I just, the challenge is you need to ensure you can really like your marketing strategy can't be built around magic moments. It needs to be augmented by magic moments and you want to have them where there's milestones in there because there's still like shoveling shit. Like you can't have a magic moment without, you know, doing the work. And so, Having content that you actually care about and going back to those ten newsletters example, is people know when you put effort and people don't. And so if that those nine out of ten newsletters were polished, attention to detail, no typos, actually meaningful stuff just wasn't necessarily quote unquote uber valuable, that's okay. Like I, I'll still get the newsletter and then I get one. and as long as you sprinkle in enough wins and quote unquote magic moments throughout those communication cycles, I think you're gonna be fine. but I just want to make sure that people know that not only are we about incredible user experiences, but also at the end of the day, you got to make money and you have to yeah. support the business. Yeah. And you can't go to your boss and be like, oh, I talked to five people and they said yeah. hey, thank yous and MRR isn't growing. What we're saying is when you shift the paradigm to how can I plot out on a user journey where these magic moments are, when can they happen? Can I truncate the time there? Or do I need to sprinkle in an aha moment? And then essentially what you're talking about pre-purchases is essentially brand marketing where we're talking about, can you create a really cool experience that if your brand is personified and the flight got canceled, you want to, you'd want to hang out with that person at the airport for the delay, or Mm -hmm. you'd be running away to go to the lounge. And I think that again, there's definitely a lot of art in this, but you, you have to figure out ways and metrics that you can push to, again, going back to the thing we always hammer on you, your narrative has to be wrapped in data. And so figuring out ways to say, hey, this magic moment is really pushing people or if we can get people to this aha moment, that gives us an opportunity for another magic moment. And so, um, yeah, just a little little capitalistic coming in and screaming, hey, 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 fuck brand, brand we need more leads. Yeah, I mean,
0: I think the big, like what you said is exactly it first thing I do on Monday is I work on my forecast and how my rolling forecast, how it's looking. And I back through kind of every single thing that we've done. And I look at it and I update it every day just to look, okay, what's it looking like? What's it looking like? What's it looking like? What this allows you to do though, is if you have the structure around that, you can be creative as hell. Because... Love it. Yeah, right? So... This is this is probably the biggest unlock, one of the biggest unlocks of my career. The more you lean into math, the more creative you get to be. The more you fight math, the less creative you are because you're always afraid because you don't know where you stand. So sit with your data science. If you don't have a data team, just find a way to like write a basic SQL query or pull the data and do your you know your own histograms. Or, like wh- all this fancy stuff that people talk about, it's not as hard as you think. Just Google it and YouTube videos come up. Everything I know about Excel, I learned by watching YouTube videos. Like I. Am, I'm still very like janky at it, but enough to be dangerous. So like, just uh-huh. go and learn your numbers, and you can then be have fun. Like, that's really what it comes well, down to.
1: Another thing, too, is once you find your numbers and you can start to analyze your usage data in a meaningful way, whether that's pre-purchase on your website or post-purchase through your amplitude, whatever you use in a track, post-hog, what have you, then you can almost reverse-engineer Magic moments and or aha moments, which are both Honestly. incredibly impactful and meaningful, yeah. and so you can start to attack things on multiple fronts. Where it's like, oh my gosh, this user, this big account just came on, and they're using the app all the time, or they're not using the app. Why they're not using the app? Hey, their SDR or your top product manager should, or product PM, whatever, should hit them up and say, hey, you know, we're really excited to have you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because there, there can be some proactiveness that you can sprinkle in there. But I love the idea that you're talking about and bringing in your data. I think it's a really smart way to think about it.
0: So I'll give an example. I was looking at some data around like what is first generation versus first export look like? And the it was like 10 days. This was a couple of years ago. I said, okay, what mm-hmm. can we do? So first one was go get the qualitative feedback, right? Okay, let's go talk to, ten, yeah. you know, a cross-section of 10 customers. For, and
1: let me just put a flag people. in yeah. here real quick. Got so it. Chase is talking about when he says, uh, so for people that don't know, Pencil does really fancy uh, AI ads. So yeah. what all he's right, referring right. to is generating the ads, versus which is the first part, app. versus actually launching them into an ad account exactly. through an export. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Thank I you. just Thank want you. to make yeah. sure everybody was tracking so, Thank you. So there's two, there's two portions
0: of that, right? There is this kind of aha moment thing that we're talking about, mm-hmm. but also there is the magic moments that we're talking about as well. And so we found that, okay, wow, I can make stuff. Fantastic. Okay. Well, I don't need them right now. I just wanted to know that I could have them. So we learned yeah. that from them, the user feedback that we got. So it was like, okay, how do we help them know that there's a magic moment? Cause they already had their aha moment, but it wasn't big enough and or at yes. the time they needed it, right? So for instance, Triple yes. has, I want to know what my where my data sits and I want to kind of have a, a view that I can look at. Oh, aha, right away. Like, oh, this is exactly what I was looking for. Yes, they have yeah. it. Maybe they are saying, oh, I'm going to launch something in seven days, right? Yes. But what I want them to have is like maximum velocity to even get them out the door so that they don't have to come back into pencil and or they're ready to go once they're doing it. So I said, okay, we should let them know like what a workflow looks like and how fun and fast it is. Okay, send an email at day two with, hey, you have these ads, this is how you export. It went from, say, what was the number? Within a week, 17% of people were exporting. Within three weeks of that shipping, it went to 45. Love it. Email is still a very hard thing to cut through. That means that there was still a bunch of leakage from that because there wasn't anything, but that was from data analysis. Now, what that tells me also is, okay, People want to know about some of these hacks and simple things that they can do. Now you take it into the newsletter and say, okay, I'm not going to write all these essays that I used, that I love to read. I'm going to write some hacks and different things they can do. So I'm going to take a tweet and I'm going to write my POV on it. Oh my God, the amount of response. Yeah, thank you for breaking this down. I didn't understand it. Or I wanted your perspective on it, et cetera, because you're quote unquote, an expert in this thing. And so absolutely. You can find ways to deliver magic moments and/or aha moments with people when you go look at the data. The onus is on, or the burden is on you, to translate them and figure out how it works within your niche. But don't be afraid of data; it's literally your friend. You just have to go figure out where the gaps are because it's not—it's not a panacea, right? It's not going to solve every single problem, but it will give you an idea of where to go and how to figure out what those magical things are for your customers. You just got to ship things, like ship value. We talked about this feature factor versus value factory, like ship value because you've figured out experiments that you think will have that asymmetrical yield we were talking about that you can then fan out across the business. So that was like a quick example that I think synthesizes both brand and product a bit.
1: It almost gives me again, kind of a really great one sensational example. But for me, the aha moment in that scenario of generation to export is the generation. Like, holy shit, I just made a hundred ads. Like that yeah. is absolutely, and again, I, I why I love your definition so much, that's absolutely utility vector. Like I yeah. just got so much utility from this. Whereas for me, the magic moment is not necessarily in the export. The export's cool, but it could possibly be a second aha moment. The magic moment for me is when an ad crushes that you guys made, and then you go, okay, there's an aha, aha, but now there's an emotional connection because I feel successful. And so the more you can make people feel successful and the earlier on you can make them feel successful, um, it's game over. And so I think I I have yet to see your, your definition fall over. I think that's a really good way of defining aha and magic moment, at least in relation to each other.
0: So we're going to do another full episode on this, but I think this comes back to kind of this utility versus magic. In a world where you service businesses, money is king, right? So the closer you are to it, the closer you're going to have magic moments. Because like, say, for instance, we are a conduit, right? To value. Upstream, you have stuff. Yeah. We may help you move through. Downstream, you make money off of it. Rinse and repeat rinse and repeat, right? So it's just a conduit to kind of spinning your kind of flywheel, whatever is inside of your business. The closer you are to cash, the more you're associated with winning. And versus also true, the closer you're to cash, if it's not working, the the more you're associated with losing. And so it really is on you to either give people the tools to win. I say like, hey, look, you're doing this thing downstream. Like, you know, you should be trying this. So for instance, we share a lot of information about media buying and how you should right. be testing and like the frameworks, etc. And, you know, we do a lot of pods with people who do that. We break down ads, how you should look at ad creative, making assets, you know, whatever that is doing landing pages. Cause that has such a disproportionate impact on what the actual ad performance is. Same thing goes. So that's for winning. Same thing goes for losing. So when they start losing, it's like, why am I paying for this thing? Dude, yes. there's like 18 other inputs that have some impact on this. But they're not thinking about that. They're thinking about that thing that's sitting at the bottom of the like the technology line items in their P and L and saying, "What the pencil? Correct. Triple whale? Fuck these things! They're not helping me." And so I think it's an important one to recognize when you're kind of looking at all of these these things. We're talking about brand, how it works within, or your magic moments in product. Like it flips the other way, and this is when this is when customers die, right? Yes, it's because you haven't yes. delivered this, and or you haven't thought about all of the other ways. That you can, that your product and everything can die and kind of have an anti magic moment,
1: and so I was just going to say that there is that what I kind of call the anti aha moment. Yes, of like how did I get here? Where <laughs> um, so I remember in Siri's still trash, but for people, the kids that don't know Siri actually, I'm um, geez, I'm going to blank on the name. They bought the this company that then they transformed into Siri, and the company before Siri or Apple bought it and. Uh, rebranding in Siri was actually really cool. I can't remember um, what it was. It was uh, essentially like a Wolfram database. There was all these cool things. You could actually plug into Wolfram. There's all this stuff. And then Siri was just terrible. It's still like semi-decent. But where I'm trying to get at is not this anti-aha moment is as a product person, a brand, you need to insulate yourself to make sure that you never get near these. And so my anti-aha moment, which basically turned me off to Siri for seven years, six years, for as long as it's been out, is I tried to make a calendar appointment and then I tried to make a calendar appointment and then I try to make a calendar appointment. And then there was a certain point where I was like, holy crap, like it finally worked, but I could have done this the old way 17 times faster. Yeah. And I put all this wasted effort into something that was way less efficient. Yeah. And so that's uh, what I kind of call, like you said, anti-magic, anti-aha moment of yeah. like, oh my gosh, because it's again, going on that, it's almost the worst of both worlds because it's not only on the utility vector, but it's yeah. also in an emotional vector because you broke my trust. You said this thing was gonna help me. You said this thing was gonna make my life faster. This isn't a shortcut. This is a long cut. Nobody wants a long cut, fuck you. And it's it's not great. Yeah. And it's also incredibly challenging to make people try something again twice. So um, just a little word of warning, really make sure that, you avoid any of those anti-aha moments because they're the death rattle that then manifests in what Chase is talking about where all the alarm bells go up, everybody's looking at the P&L, what's that one, who's getting value from it? And if you don't have anybody there to stand up and say, hey, that is absolutely requisite for my workflow, my job, you're gonna get axed.
0: So on a technical level, one thing you can do, I'm sure everyone has this set up, at least I hope, is... <sighs> Exit surveys and yes. really be rigorous about like scraping those and figuring out what's yep. going on. And if you have some really negative, harsh feedback, or you have someone who just gave you kind of very bland feedback, like almost the bland feedback is the worst of all because at least the negative ones you kind of directionally are like, okay, either they're not a fit, and we can kind of see where they fit in the profile. It's like we didn't want that yep. customer anyway. But the neutral one is like, well, shit, they. So I, I always. I define kind of this and how you get people with magic moments and aha moments is there's the non-fits. There are the people who are like just, you know, maybes, right? Maybe I'm not defining it this way. This has been defined many times, but they're on the fence and they want it to work, but maybe they're a little skeptical. And then the people who are all in already, and you have to like, I don't know, punch them in the face, or insult their mother or something, and that's how they're going right. to not be with you or convert. And so yep. it's not about the people. I kind of always say, like, how do I just pull people up? So like, maybe there are some skeptics who didn't really expect it to work. How can I get them to maybe's? How can I make the maybe's yes. like oh hell yeses? Yes, Your product not delivering and not having that aha moment or some sort of magic moment that they're excited about automatically degrades that trust where they're like, dude, and it's the simplest things. It's not even big things. I, had a, I got an email and it was this simple thing and I know the exact glitch that happened. It, I got it last night. I saw it and I just went, uh, by the way, for anyone who's, like, we're not, don't have a video of this. I'm rubbing my forehead. I was just like, Fuck. literally that chip. Because I knew exactly what happened and I could feel the trust from this customer go out the door. Yes. And it's not her fault. It's not her fault. It's our fault. But it's like, that is what, is an anti-magic moment because you're giving something that's supposed to make their life easier. And just the simple data that they're supposed to have there hits them in the wrong way. Everything else you say forever, you sound like a salesman and a huckster. I go from nice salesman to like, I'm Persian, so I'll just say it. Like the Persian salesman, car guy, hair, chest hair out, necklace out saying, well, you know, do you want this Mercedes? You know, like that's not what we want anyone to have. We want them to come in and say, I want it, let's go, no negotiation right? So did like that because of one little thing that you missed. So this kind of brand security magic moments or anti-magic moments. And by the way, there's that whole anti-fragile kind of thing. How do you build anti-fragile businesses? Yes. Technology is not one of those things. It's very, very difficult unless you sit like right at the center of something and or you've sold some like big long-term deal and you have kind of, you built, you built, baked yourself into the other companies, all of us who are down market is a very fragile thing. So you have to be really, really dialed on all of your touch points because you can absolutely go anti-aha really, really quickly. And it's much easier to do that than build a great experience for somebody. Like that's actually much easier to do and many people do it. So anyway, I went on a big diatribe there like, and I saw you wanted to come and like let it rip. So what do you got, dude?
1: I just wanted to congratulate you on that definition because another proof of work would be you can't have a great brand with a bad product and that's because the bad product never produces any aha moments and then a lot of times it's going to produce the the anti-magic or anti-aha moment and so it just uh, i don't know it, it was just something that working through that that definition and theorem um, Is really interesting to me because as I start to poke and prod it, it seems to be, uh, to go back to, uh, I think the kids call this a callback in your industry, but yeah, uh, anti-fragile, it seems to be pretty resilient. And so yeah. no matter how you attack that, it seems to hold up. So yeah. just kudos to you for, for such a sharp definition. Tight. So,
0: How do you... So say we both had to start ground zero tomorrow. Like We're like, hey, look, we're starting mm-hmm. over what would you, like, if you had to do a three-step framework of how to do this, because, you know, we're we're talking a lot of theories, a few examples. What would the three things you would do first be to deliver against building something that can have, um, you know, magic moments and or aha moments? Like, what channels would you focus on? What touch points? What would you start looking at that people can, like, pull and or, I don't know, revamp what they're doing already?
1: Yeah, so the first and easiest is to make your best users, and when I mean best, you can choose your vector, whether it's highest paying, whether it's usage or whatever. Find a way within your budget to celebrate them. So YouTube does a great job with this, with their plaque subscribers. Shopify just started doing this with revenue stuff. It doesn't have to be everybody, but all these these really top people, celebrate them as quickly as you can. That's a super easy win. Not only that, There's an emotional bond that comes. So there's, again, a little bit of that reciprocity built in naturally from them to be like, hey, these guys are acknowledging me. They're helping me. It's also a great time where some of these big brands just don't have the time to reach out and like, oh, hey, thank you for this, Chase. Actually, X, Y, and Z is broken. Is this a glitch? Boom, really non-douchey like douchey way of like, hey, they're not already at the counter asking to speak to a manager to cancel their subscription mm. or get this fixed. This was like, hey, it's off the back of a positive interaction that can then net out neutral. So that would be the first thing I would say is really celebrate your customers. Uh, another really, uh, we already talked about that, but um, finding your magic moments in terms of data. So, understanding if you can find some inflections and usage when something happens, and then really lean into that. And then the third thing I would do, and we did this at Triple Whale, so I'm kind of double dipping, but um, really look into your data and then identify your top customer clusters. So, if there are, so we did something called the Triple Whale Roadshow where we identified our top customer clusters and we just threw a little party there. And so you get all your evangelists there, everybody that's there, like you're part of this group and you can throw that to create that in real life magic moment. And if you want to take it to another level, you can do like an 80-20 split where you have 80% of triple whalers or pencilers or whatever your community is. um, And then you put 20% of prospects in there. So it becomes this nice mix of not only a retention play, but sales and you can mobilize some budget for it because there could also be an acquisition play and you would be absolutely... one of our biggest deals at Triple Whale was run or uh, we won because, the, to be fair, their stuff is amazing. It's uh, uh, Caldera Labs. They do like these really, really like high-end uh, yeah. men's care stuff. It's really, really good. They work like Tony anyway, Gonzalez. But um, they were on the fence. And, oh, man, I'm going to forget his name now. Awesome, awesome guy. But one of the high-ups there, uh, we invited him to our Austin FC suite. So we Ooh. got a little soccer game. 0% sales pitch, just shooting the shit with them. Really nice guy. Have some food, have some drinks, blah, 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 Nothing sold, nothing talked about. Maybe some triple whale questions here and there, but it was just more so for a vibe. Closed that Monday and the game was on Saturday. And so yeah. again, it's not, you know, uh, not investment advice kind of thing, but those would be kind of three ways where I really hype up your evangelists or not necessarily quote unquote your evangelists, but give your best customers a reason to evangelize for you because they're, the best pencil or they spent the most money in your, on your platform or whatever the success mm-hmm. metric that your platform is trying to drive forward. Look at the people that are doing that really well and give them some sort of award celebration, yeah. praise, etc. In real life events, I'm big, big bullish on there, but they do get expensive. So try and figure out a way where even if it's just a happy hour, it's like, Hey, we're going to put a thousand dollar bar tab. Anybody that wants to come, come drink with us, have a good time. You know, it's going to be capped a thousand bucks. If people want to buy more drinks after that, you're already there. But you can really cap it that way. And then yeah. the obviously what we talked about was the data as well, using data to identify places that are fertile or already sprouting magic yeah. moments. What about you, um?
0: I think the first thing like to bring up is I have been, let's see, almost yeah, three plus years not in office. And like maybe only the last six months I've been like seeing people in real life and doing things and genuine relationships that are built through it are incredible. You said like, man, I've talked to you 10 times. Why does it feel different to see a person on the, that's not on the other side of the screen? Why do all the subsequent conversations feel different, right? And it is just, there's something that you can't make up for. And so I think with that kind of punctuation is don't overcomplicate it. It doesn't need to be the most perfect thing you ever do. Yes. Just make it happen like don't be afraid to do it the thousand dollar bar tab i mean if you're like even if you do 500 and people come they're gonna be there and having a good time and maybe you know they're already the they've already wet their whistle a little bit so it's like all right we're ready to go they don't care but the idea is you've built some sort of momentum for them to feel excited happy and be a part you've brought together a tribe of people this is the one thing in business i don't think people recognize enough and it's, it's kind of happened. I mean, being focused on e this last year plus, having people who understand you have been through what you've been through and are doing it every day and just give you a pat on the back like, dude, I know, right? It's why we're all focused on community. It's what I sent in that group today, Rob, and you, you and kind of gave me this like, oh, okay, I'm not doing it wrong, but I can just think of it a little bit differently. So giving people the opportunity to meet each other, feel connected, all of that, just get started and do it. The data being wrapping your business in data, the best thing you can do is just go figure it out. Even if it's rudimentary and you have to do janky, you know, spreadsheets. I still do that all the time. I'll just pull the data and start playing around with yeah. it and find just magic within it. Like, oh wow, that's an interesting. I don't know. Pattern about matching. That. Right. Pattern matching, you go find things. So those two things I completely agree with you. I think the other big one is don't wait to get started on content. Yes, your, your time is, is built is like built into kind of the, you know, the P&L of the business and OPEX, whatever, but it's not extra time. You're not paying, like, you're not paying an outside and you can also, and maybe this is just me and probably you too, Roba. I get really clear on how I feel once I start writing it down. So like I write in a journal in yes. the morning and, I, and it's really just to kind of say like, all right, what's going on, right? Yes. Not every single person is like that. Some people say, look, I got to look at the data and that's going to set me up. Whatever your version of that is, but don't wait to do content. Even if your content yes. is, I'm going to look at our data, I'm going to put it out and I'm just going to say, these are the trends. Boom, that's value, right? Yes. So don't wait on content because it is, Um, is, I've done that before and you're always playing catch up and you never feel like it's good enough versus just get signal as fast as you possibly can about what moves the needle, what people are interested, what people are interested in and lean into that as much as you possibly can. And then bring in the people who can help you kind of buoy that whether it's your community and or, you know, operators that you can bring into the business. So those are the three for me.
1: No, I love that. And I see you're above and beyond as you do. No, I love that. I think it's really, really smart. And yeah, I'm, I'm super bullish on starting content as early as you can. Not only do you get the reps in where you can start to just naturally build a, a system around it where eventually like this is, this is terrible. Why don't I do it this way? Why don't I do it that way? And then the other thing, it just compounds, man, where it's, it's very hard, even if you're the best content creator in the world, none of them started as viral, et cetera, et yeah. cetera. And I think the, the best thing you can do is get started, figure out how to build that feedback loop. And then once you see, once that feedback loops in place, then you have a pretty nice compass to start to orient your ship. Yeah.
0: So we just went hard at that. A lot of value in there. We like to close off on some recommendations. And so, Rob, what have you been reading? What have you been listening to that is uh, moving the needle for you?
1: I am really into uh, the Rick Rubin book. I didn't, it's called The Creative Act. It's actually uh, another double dip because it was uh, one of the uh, reading recommendations or the tip of the week last week was uh, the Rick Rubin book. It's really crazy good. There's people that want like proper, proper actionables, like, create creativity inc the bio about pixar is probably a better place to start but this is uh i'm kind of in this like just meta heady kind of time of my life of like trying to understand the macro concepts that i can then Mm -hmm. start to manifest the things i want in my life and so anyways really really awesome you don't even have to be into music or anything it's just the, the way he thinks about the creative process will probably be nails on the chalkboard to mm-hmm. the quants of the world, but it's been really good. I have that. What else do I got? I got, I am reading that. I am, oh, Audible just, this is kind of a, a little bit in the weeds, but Audible just released a bunch of originals and you can go download those mm-hmm. originals for free, which was pretty cool. I was like, oh my gosh, right. I don't have any credits, but Yes, yeah, so I'm going into a oh, uh, me,
0: man. buy more credits, thirty nine ninety nine, free like right a a discount. Yeah, absolutely, it's br- brilliant.
1: So these were free. Still super bullish on the content to commerce stuff. What else did I get? Some Prof Galloway stuff. That's pretty much it. the The yeah. Rick Rubin book I think is is really kind of something that has been really interesting and resonating with me. The other cool thing is the uh, getting back to the Eisenhower Matrix for people. That aren't familiar. It's essentially uh, a quadrant, top left. Uh, so on the x-axis, or the, excuse me, the y-axis, you have not important and important. And then on the x-axis, you have urgent, not urgent. And no. top left is do, not urgent is decide, delegate, delete. So just kind of figuring out some cool new systems for me. But the, the, the yeah. Rick Rubin book, and then diving back into um, the Eisenhower matrix to help structure... Structure my day, and then the, oh, uh, the last pick from the Eisenhower Matrix is a really cool tool called AcuFlow, um that I'm really really bullish on. That's what I use to plan my day. You can have a myriad of connections to it, and so if you're in Slack, Gmail, whatever, and you can like, for example, for me, if I bookmark something in Slack, if I star something in Gmail, they'll all pump into my Akiflow. and then I can slot those tasks throughout oh. the day because I'm a I'm a big time blocker and I'm also yeah. a big obliger, and so time blocking kind of counteracts my obliging because i go oh yeah of course i can do all that stuff and then i go oh yeah when you know what i mean because yeah. you're like oh my gosh these things there's yeah. no place to put it so um that's my a your, good one
0: and my phone is what i pull up before i say yes to anything and yep. i just look at that and I'm exactly
1: like, no no show. exactly yeah that's great and then what's else the last rec is tetris i don't know if anybody's seen it yet it's on apple plus apple tv plus <laughs> or whatever but it's pretty good, good flick as well. So, Tetris. So, that's all, all my little carve outs for today
0: or this week. What do I got? I got, uh, I just watched Air. Really amazing energy in that movie. Yeah. It's so good. So yeah, good. yeah. Just moves. So, this um, is
1: as a sneakerhead. I can't believe I haven't watched it yet. So, it's worth it's it's on it. On it's on Prime.
0: Yeah, man. Oh, it's, it's great. It's like, uh, that's Affleck, can, right? Yeah, Affleck and, and Damon are in it. I usually kind yep. of um, I grade everything on, a, you can kind of feel if a movie's going to be good in five minutes. And so, it's kind of the same thing. You can feel if it, like the first time you see an actor, whether they're in a bad movie or not, like, oh, damn, they're different. Whether they're a movie star or not, yep. but like, oh, okay, you can feel it. So that movie was had a lot of really good energy. It's really solid. The Great is back on. So if you guys are into historical, like historical movies, what is movie, this? Um, it's called The Great. It's about the rise of Catherine the Great. It's on Hulu. Really, really fun. Yeah. So if, did you watch uh, what the hell was that movie um, with Rachel Weiss? The favorite? Did you ever see that movie? where it was about no. the... British. Anyway, same, same writers. So the favorite is also another one. I'm big into the history stuff. So uh, what I would recommend, I just listened to the uh, second Napoleon one that was done on Founders, which was incredible. It was like, like Napoleon. Napoleon. And I'm listening to the Tao, Charlie Munger, which is great. I just heard this quote. Oh yeah, Chuck T. Yeah, this morning. Um, Charlie. Iron yes. Mike, which essentially was, do the things you hate. With as much love as the yeah. things you don't?
1: Yeah. Oh, it's such a good line. I, 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 I It was like
0: one of those like, so oh my God. And it, it was funny. I went right into my kind of data stuff that some mornings I'm like, God, I don't want to do this on this morning. And I went and I did it with love. And I was like, wow, this is incredible. Like I'm thinking, like yeah. sort of snapping off ideas. And right now I'm reading two books. So I'm, I'm reading for the first time. It's kind of crazy. The um, Confessions of an Advertising Book by Ogilvy. Or Confessions yep. of an Advertising Man by Ogilvy. And it's funny, the practical wisdom that applies today, and it's like, oh, it's about being an agency, but it applies to any business where you have any sort of service relationship involved is, is incredible. Some of the stuff I'm like, I highlighting it, starring and saying, okay, this is absolutely um, really, really salient. The other one I am reading is this place um, called From a Place of Greater Safety. And it's essentially like a fictionalized version of the three main characters during the French Revolution and like them from their childhood through becoming those those players. And it's really interesting. It's I by this, this. Um, writer named Hilary Mantel who wrote this book called Wolf Hall, if you've ever seen the series. Anyway, that's really fascinating. And then the last one, which I've been spouting about because I've listened to it like four times, Elena uh, Verna does an amazing interview with Lenny on Lenny's podcast. It's like a mind blower if you're into the stuff that we were talking about, which like growth models, et cetera. And it's actually not to sound too hold, but it's a great pairing with talking about brand as a growth lever and then growth as a growth lever. And like those two things together is really, really magical. So that uh, one I really love. And I think it's important for everyone to listen to.
1: Damn, that's a lot of picks. Uh, Elena is a G. I got to sit on a panel with her at the the Paddle Conference put on, or ProfitWell Paddle. I I, I guess Paddle would put it on and ProfitWell would just be an advertiser there. But anyways, she's brilliant. I mean, she was just absolutely one of those humans that you listen for two minutes you're like holy crap this gal is gonna know more about forget more about sass than I'll ever learn like she was was very impressive
0: it's like the thing I was talking about with the actor you hear her for two minutes you're like oh my god this is like so when you saw Tom Cruise the first time come on screen in like risky business you're like oh that dude has it whatever that is I don't know I'll give you another one and then I'll shut the fuck up you remember in Star Trek in like 2009 the first 10 minutes were Chris Hemsworth before he was Chris Hemsworth I remember being in the theater like, who the hell is this guy? Like, he has this presence, he has this voice, and he's handsome as friggin' hell. His shoulders are this big. Like, I I want the movie to be about him. Like, forget the rest of it. And then he was gone. He died 10 minutes. Spoiler alert for anyone who's not seen that movie uh, in the world. But she has the exact same quality where you're like, oh, man, just take me under your wing and teach me everything you know. I won't absorb all of it, but like, I just want to be there. So... Listen to that. Amazing. Uh, Rob, we got any final final thoughts you want to close it out for us?
1: Yeah, no uh, big final thoughts. We are both on the Twitters. Hit us up. Let us know how we can make this more valuable. We're starting to put in a little bit more structure. We're going to bring in some more tactical stuff and then... As we go down kind of more complex topics, we'll bring in any visualizations that'll be helpful. We're trying to be a little bit of an audio-only podcast, but we'll eventually throw these on YouTube so it'll be easier to follow along. You want to see our beautiful faces instead of listening to that. What else we got? Do you want to go get onto the Triple Whale newsletter? It's called Whale Mail. It's every Tuesday, Thursday. You can do that at triplewhale.com slash whale mail. And then what else I got? I think that's it. And then you're... Get your Mentor Pass stuff with the man, Chase. Uh, He's on the Mentor Pass, also fantastic, on the Twitters. And then, yeah, like I said, hit us up uh, if you guys have any cool suggestions. We also might start doing uh, a third chair and bringing in uh, a guest every now and then to uh, keep things fresh, liven things up. So really excited for uh, Chase pushing us to uh, get this show out. And he's just a wonderful human, so make sure you go tell him that on Twitter. Flattery is the way to his heart.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Flattery will get you everywhere in this life. So um, yeah, this was a blast. Oh, and go hit it.
1: Shameless plug. Go buy if you have millions of dollars and want the best cookware ever. Go uh, get you some Hexfad. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Get you some hex. J-Pan is, it's a, an is a G. They, yeah, they, they crush good, it. Good dude. Yeah. yeah, really good dude. Absolutely.
0: All right. Cheers, man. Signing off till number four. Amazing.
1: All right. We'll see everybody later. Bye-bye.